here we are, man, episode 100, yo, what y'all think? Uh, first of all, man, uh, hope everybody's safe and well. Um, it's a crazy world out there, right? Shout out to Octavia Butler, Parable of the Sword. So I want to make sure, I'm glad that y'all here listening, because that tells me that y'all safe, man. Here we go. Um, I say this with a heavy heart. I'm going to do a review of the documentary United Skates, also a review of N.K. Jameson's How Long Till Black Future Month, um, and I'm also um, going to talk about Clone Wars Season 7, and um, I'm going to talk about black content creators, and I'm going to do my top 10 uh, TV comic book adaptations. I'm going to talk to you about why the police are irrelevant, um, and if anything has shown that during the time of the Rona, they are really irrelevant, so check it out. Tape at B. For episode 100 of Where My Killer Tape At, I'm sipping on, shout out to Clown Shoes, man, for real, for real. Gordo Imperial Pumpkin Stout. Oh my God. Um, and this is it's brewed with spices and Asian bourbon barrels. So not only does it taste good, but it has a kick. Um, no, Clown Shoes does not pay me for anything. I love all y'all stouts. Oh my God. I love y'all stouts for a while. And shout out to the Barrel House for always putting me on the stuff. I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to talk to you about y'all later in the, in the shout outs. Work. There's a lot of things that's been happening during the Rona where we're beginning to question systems, right? Um, some of these things we've been questioning for a while, but this, I think one good thing about the pandemic is that is putting all these things under a lens. And I want to talk about the police because really, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I was on the fence about the police thing because there's people who feel like the police should be something that's just eradicated because you already have the sheriff's department, right? Kind of makes sense, right? Um, and, and when you find out the history of what, you know, where sheriffs come from and the police, again, the, 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 the police were created to protect property as a homeowner. I realized that because I only use the police to get a report for insurance purposes. I've never called the police when something crazy has happened. I've only called them because I needed them to write a report so I could use for insurance purposes. So because the police don't deter crime. I know people believe that, but they don't. Right. Um, and I got a case study that I can definitely prove that but I'm not going to go there anyway. What we've learned during the coronavirus is that the police are practically useless. And I was somebody, the reason why I never run for office is because I, I've always wanted to reduce the police force. I've always wanted to like drastically reduce the police force um, because I've always felt like they weren't really something that was essential. But the coronavirus has proven that not only are they not essential, but they're actually harmful, particularly to black and brown communities, right? And we see this in, in, in instances in New York City where they leave white people alone, but they definitely 
fuck with black people. They oppress black people. We've seen that. Shout out to Huey Newton because he said that that's what the police do anyway, right? That's their sole purpose. Like, it's not that the system is broken. It's that it's operating the way it's supposed to operate. So this thing, again, I've been on the fence about it, right? I've been like, dude, we kind of need them. But then, like, this has really demonstrated to me that we don't need them. And even in my life, I've never, like, needed them. I just needed them for because I wanted to be able to not pay for shit. So I use their reports that I want to pay for shit, right? And that's the only function that they have because we have the sheriff's department for that. The sheriff's can serve warrants, right? We also know that the SWAT team was created, and, and, and you, could, you, could, you can try to debate me on this. The SWAT team was created essentially to oppress black people because the first time they were put together was in Los Angeles during the time of the Black Panther Party. Mm. And you can look all that up. It's even a movie about it. So that being said, what is the use of the police department? And we have to revisit that. We really, 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 really do. Um, not just in our communities, but in also other communities as well. So that, if anything, I'm learning from now on that, like, what is their function, right? Now, don't get me wrong. Places like Singapore, which Singapore is a good case study, they use the police to pass out face masks and stuff like that. I know a friend of mine who, who actually had the coronavirus and beat it, he talked about their, how they were used to make sure that people that were in quarantine were in quarantine. But outside of that, what is their purpose? So... I want to add, want my listeners to question that as well. Work. Lord, Lord of mercy, all night Sunday central. Follow me now. Lord of mercy, all night Sunday central. Follow me now. Lord of mercy, all night Sunday central. Follow me now. Lord of mercy, all night Sunday central. Follow me now. There's a lot of things that's been happening during the Rona where we're beginning to question systems, right? Um, some of these things we've been questioning for a while, but this, I think one good thing about the pandemic is that is putting all these things under a lens. And I want to talk about the police because really, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I was on the fence about the police thing because there's people who feel like the police should be something that's just eradicated. Because you already have the sheriff's department, right? Kind of makes sense, right? Um, and, and when you find out the history of what, you know, where sheriffs come from and the police, again, the, 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 the police were created to protect property. As a homeowner, I realized that because I only use the police to get a report for insurance purposes. I've never called the police when something crazy has happened. I've only called them because I needed them to write a report so I could use for insurance purposes. So, because the police don't deter crime. I know people believe that, but they don't, right? Um, and I got a case study that can definitely prove that, but I'm not going to go there. Anyway, what we've learned during the coronavirus is that the police are practically useless. And I was somebody, the reason why I never run for office is because I, I've always wanted to reduce the police force. I've always wanted to like drastically reduce the police force um, because I've always felt like they weren't really something that was essential. But the coronavirus has proven that not only are they not essential, but they're actually harmful, particularly to black and brown communities, right? And we see this in, in, in instances in New York City where they leave white people alone, but they definitely fuck with black people. They oppress black people. We've seen that. Shout out to Huey Newton because he said that that's what the police do anyway, right? That's their sole purpose. Like, it's not that the system is broken. It's that it's operating the way it's supposed to operate. So this thing, again, I've been on the fence about it, right? I've been like, dude, we kind of need them. But then, like, this has really demonstrated to me that we don't need them. And even in my life, I've never, like, needed them. I just needed them for, because I wanted to be able to not pay for shit. 
So I use their reports that I want to pay for shit, right? And that's the only function that they have. Because we have the sheriff's department for that. The sheriffs can serve warrants, right? We also know that the SWAT team was created, and, and, and you could you could you can try to debate me on this. The SWAT team was created essentially to oppress black people because the first time they were put together was in Los Angeles during the time of the Black Panther Party. Mm. And you can look all that up. It's even a movie about it. So that being said, what is the use of the police department? And we have to revisit that. We really, 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 really do. Um, not just in our communities, but in also other communities as well. So that, if anything, I'm learning from now on that, like, what is their function, right? Now, don't get me wrong. Places like Singapore, which Singapore is a good case study, they use the police to pass out face masks and stuff like that. I know a friend of mine who, who actually had the coronavirus and beat it, he talked about they, how they were used to make sure that people that were in quarantine were in quarantine. But outside of that, what is their purpose? So I want to want my listeners to question that as well. Work. <laughs> Yeah, I was listening to a Tea with Q and J, and he recommended this documentary called United Skates um, about African Americans and skating um, in the United States, and pretty much how like the closing of uh, roller skating rinks around the country is just another step towards gentrification. I watched it. Let me just say this: it's a dope documentary. United Skates is on Hulu. Um, I didn't expect to cry like I did, but it's directed by uh, Tina Brown and uh, Dewana Wankler. Um, so, excuse me, Dewana Winkler. I apologize for that. A little bit tipsy, but definitely check it out. Um, let me just say this. Like a lot of black folks, roller skating had a big impl- impact on my life. That was probably, probably like when I started dating. And I, and I think I can speak for a lot of other people for this, the same reason, right? Um, that's how we got down. I was a dancer, so which just was right up my alley. For me and my babies, roller skating was important because that was part of their lives as well. Um, and also for my students, because we go roller skating with my students consistently. So um, roller skating is just part of life. But yes, they are closing left and right. Um, but, you know, so, so so even though the documentary is really talking about love and, and our love for our community, it also talks about politics, right? It talks about gentrification and demographics and, and policy, right? Public policy. Um, anyway, I didn't expect to cry when I saw it. Um, but the music is amazing. Um, the, the scenes were dope. But what I, again, the biggest part that I love was that a lot of these rinks that were owned by black people were family owned. And a lot of people that were in it were really about family. And I thought that was just so important. What I didn't know, and, and, and the documentary touches on, it touches on how a lot of black roller skaters were involved in the civil rights movement and integrated roller skating rinks. That, that really blew my mind. And again, everything is political. So, man, this is an amazing documentary. I cried um, because it's bleak. It really is bleak when it comes to roller skating. And it's something that's part of, you know, part of our lives. So, man, I just, you know, I wish I had known about it sooner because it came out in 2018. So shout out to T with Kim with that. Uh, but definitely check out United Skates. It's on Hulu. And it really is worth it. Watch it with your family. Word is born. Uh, the book club I'm a part of, the Ebony Reb uh, Online Book Club, is currently reading N.K. Jameson's How Long Till Black Future Month. First of all, let me just say this. N.K. Jameson is dope. And I am ashamed, because I'm usually up on this kind of stuff, that it took me forever to figure out who she was. Because she's like a three-time Hugo Award winner, <laughs> a, a New York Times bestselling author. 
Um, she's dope as fuck. And I'm just getting on. This is my first, the first book that I read about. This is a book of short stories. Um, blown away. I, I just, I've never read a book of short stories where every story is dramatically different from each other. And although I know that she's writing, I can't tell that she's writing each one. That's how different these short stories are. So um, please read this book. Please read any of her stuff, which I'm about to. Um, but I can't wait till my book club sits down and talk about it because... Oh my God, it's gonna be dope. There's a story in here about, and I'm trying to trying to remember the name of it, where they come across an alien species that has four genders, and it's just like, what? You know what I mean? It's just like, what? It it it's blown, it blows you away. So, um, really dope book. I I mean, oh my God, this is this is a short story called The Brides of Heaven, where they have Muslim women that colonize the planet, and it's just, oh my God. Anyway, the short story I'm talking about is called The Evaluators. And I like because I like it because it's written in a set of emails sent to different people, and they talk about this alien species, and it's just like wow. And it's just I, I could go on and on about how dope this book is, but highly recommend it, especially now during the time of Rona. And you know the thing about book of short stories is you can read any, you can start at any point in the middle, at the end, in the beginning. You don't have to do that. So I highly recommend it for any book club. Um, and to be honest, there's no story in here that I was like, I can't wait till it's over. It was every story in here. I was kind of like, oh, my God, I can't believe that it's finished. Um, and then there was some stuff that I was like, oh, my God, there's like eight pages left. I don't want to finish it. So shout out to MK Jamison. Dope stuff. Highly recommended. Word. Okay, I'm going to geek out a little bit. Uh, saw the last season of Clone Wars, season 7, um, which was put together by the mighty Dave Filoni. And um, they were able to kind of like, I, let me just say this. Um, I know a lot of people, when they saw the Clone Wars movie, they were like, oh, this shit is whack. Because the Clone, War movie, Clone Wars movie is, is not all that. And I know that what happened was they introduced Ahsoka, who was Anakin's Padawan. And people were like, huh? And I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a second but they were like huh so um a lot of people wasn't feeling that but i always tell people watch the clone war series because it's dope and what i love about the clone war series is that each season they got better and better right <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> they got better and better um and they introduced a lot of new characters a lot of old characters they really developed the relationship between anakin and obi-wan and i will go on the limb and say that the Clone Wars actually redeemed the prequels. I, I'm going to say that. Like, like there's, a lot of people don't like the prequels, and there's a lot of reasons why. But if you watch the Clone Wars, you're kind of like, you know what? The prequels are redeemed. And I can see why George Lucas was so behind this, because it really did. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fucked up that you got to, like, watch some other shit or read some other stuff to kind of, like, get what's going on in the prequels. But it really does it. Anyway, Season 7 was a good ending. Um, I'm going to try to review it without spoiling it. And then I'm going to talk about why you shouldn't have an issue with Ahsoka. Number one, um, actually, the last four episodes of season seven go right into Re Revenge of the Sith. Like, there are scenes from Revenge of the Sith that are put into uh, season seven. And I think that's what makes it dope. It's kind of like the Titanic, right? You know the Titanic is going to sink, right? But the way it's written, you're like, I hope it doesn't sink, right? And the same thing in Clone Wars. You're like, oh, my God, I hope they don't call Order 66. But... 
they actually show the scene where Darth Sidious says, you know, Order 66. So it's it's it, it really talks about what happens. And again, you see situations. If you look at the Clone Wars throughout the entirety of the Clone Wars, there's instances where people find out about Order 66, but either either killed or no one believes them. And here's a situation where people find out about it, but then they're like, it's too late. Right. And it's like it's really like when you think about it, when somebody finds out about Order 66 and you're like, they should say something at that point in time, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen. So it happens again in season seven. Now, going back to Ahsoka, you should be cool with Ahsoka because people say, oh, well, in the original trilogy, she's not mentioned. But the original trilogy, Padme is not mentioned. And Padme is one of the reasons why Anakin turns to the dark side. Right. So they never mentioned her name. Only one time is she referenced. Matter of fact, she's not even referenced. Luke asks Leia in Return of the Jedi, you know, how was your mom? You know, even though we know that's not her mom, right? So, like, you know, he doesn't even mention the love of his life. Of course he's not going to mention Ahsoka, right? So, get over that. Other than that, it's dope. Action is dope. Um, love this season. It ended it. Are they going to have more seasons? They probably are because this thing was, like, really dope. Um, and I can see them going back to some other stuff that, that wasn't closed up in the other seasons of Clone Wars. But you should watch the Clone Wars, period. Trust me on that. And it, and if if you don't believe me, I'll pay you back. Word is bond. So Man Makes the Beard, that is the name of the show. Um, and that idea came from a question that the homie Brenda from Teacher Talk Tuesdays, who we had on the show previously, um, asked the question on IG, does man make the beard or beard make the man? And in my case, I said man makes the beard. Um, I've been growing this beard since 1996, so I'm OG in the game. And that's where the title of this episode comes from. So, yes, sir, man makes the beard. Ain't no weed chin over here. You know what I mean? Oh, that rhymes. I want to talk about Instagram, like an IG, whatever y'all want to call it, and loving these IG battles, these versus battles. Uh, man, uh, shout out to Timberland and shout out to... Um, What's my man's name? They both just put this together and now they got different people battling each other. My favorite so far has been the Erica Badu, Jill Scott one, which I got to talk about later on. Anyway, um, New York Times published this article called How Hip Hop Royalty Found a New Home on Instagram Live. It is written by John Caramonica. Don't get me wrong. I've been following John Caramonica since his source days when the source was actually valid. When the source is on some real dope shit, not some wild, whack shit, right? Some, I guess you could say clout chasing, right? They was doing it back then, right? But there was a time when it was actually valid. And um, it's a dope article, and it kind of talks about the versus thing and all that and how that's put together and how, you know, some of the creators are going to try to monetize it. Um, but one thing I noticed, and it, and it irks me, man. It really, really irks me. And it's really how white supremacy deals with and again, I love John Karamanaka, right? Um, they're black content creators, right? It's, it's black people that are pushing this content, right? Whether we're talking about Instagram, whether we're talking about TikTok, right? 
the dopest shit, as usual, right? Black people, man. And it's like, it's crazy how you would think that, like, you would think that, like, Instagram, you would think that TikTok would say, well, these are the content creators. We should pay them what they're worth, right? We should give them their due, right? Because that's the best way you pay homage, right? You give them what they're worth, right? And that's what, and I know Teddy Riley was wilding, but that's what he was trying to say. That's what he was saying. Like, hey, like, we doing all this stuff. They're getting all these hits. They're getting all this traffic, you know what I mean? Because of, you know, the coronavirus situation, the pandemic, and they're not seeing the money in that. And, and that shit blows my mind. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the 80s, the early 80s when the art, the art, the art galleries in New York City were like really falling down. And then they reached out to graffiti artists, usually black and brown people, to come out. And they, those graffiti artists saved not only the New York City gallery scene, but also the European gallery scene. Because a lot of European um, art galleries are bringing a lot of black and brown graffiti artists from New York City over there. Um, and don't get me wrong, some people like Mayor One, shout out to Mayor One, um, who's actually the guy that designed the Emmys. Um, like he was able to see something out of that. But a lot of the people did not. Shout out to T-Kid170. I see you, brother, and I love you. So, like, you know, it's the same thing happening again when I see this with the IG and with TikTok. You know, these creators. And, you know, because if you notice, white folks just fucking do racist shit on there. But black people, black and brown folks, once again, creating the content that pushes these uh, social media giants forward um, when, when they can't create anymore, right? So, again, but then again, we know that art, comes from the most marginalized groups in society, right? It doesn't come from the elite, right? So it's just something that I want to talk about that I wanted to address and that I didn't see that in his article in the New York Times. They didn't say that. They, they shouted out the right people, but they didn't say black, right? I just wanted to point that out. Word. I wanted to do a segment on um, comic books that you should be reading or comic book runs that you should be reading, but I'm going to bring a guest in for that. So I decided to change it up a little bit and and talk about um, um, the best TV comic book adaptations out there. Um, they're, they're not going to be any particular order. I'm just going to go ahead and say, and I do have one honorable mention, so bear with me. Um, and I just want to let y'all know that I'm a little bit biased because I am a Marvel head. Not a big DC guy, but I love Marvel. I'm a huge Marvel dude, so I'm always rooting for the MCU. Um, so again, in no particular order, we're going to go ahead and start. Um, I definitely um, want to shout out Cloak and Dagger, which was on... It was on that Disney channel um, that... I forgot the name of it. It was supposed to be like a, a young adult teen channel. Um, this Cloak and Dagger was just really dope. And let me just say this. I remember... Here I am dating myself. When Cloak and Dagger first came out as a comic book, uh, it was during the height of the crack cocaine epidemic, um, and there was a lot of stuff going on. And when it first came out, there was a lot of racial tension around it. Here is a black character and a white girl, you know, uh, who, who came to, to, to New York City and got turned out and became drug addicts, right? Now, it wasn't crack that got them addicted. It was some other stuff. But then they became superheroes. So it was like very controversial. Um, and they were like a niche uh, comic book story. And it wasn't until later on in the 2000s where they were kind of like really brought in to the front. 
um, because Cloak, one of his powers is teleportation, so they needed the teleporter on a lot of the major teams, so they used him a lot. So um, he became like a more upfront character. Uh, but I, if you had told me back then that I was going to do a Cloak and Dagger TV series, I would have laughed in your face. If you had told me the year before that I was going to do a Cloak and Dagger TV series, I would have laughed in your face. But it's actually really good. And I think what I like about it is that it demonstrates how you can do a, a TV show uh, with a lower budget and just have better acting because that one brother that he's amazing he's dope oh my god like he's really really dope and um definitely um he played the brother too on um 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 little fires everywhere he played the, the brother and that was he's just such a dope actor and they just everybody's acting there is just great the plot is really cool how they bring things in um, and it takes place in New Orleans. So it's even though the original took place in New York City, this one takes place in New, York, New Orleans. So it's like a different flavor um, as compared to like New York. Because Marvel is like so pro New York, right? Another one I want to talk about is Legion. Now, let me just say this Legion in the comic book is one of Charles Xavier's sons. And he's a, a, he's a person that's like one of the most powerful mutants on the planet because he has 150 different personalities. And those 150 different personalities have different powers. So he's considered one of the most powerful, actually, beings on the planet. So um, for some reason, they just never wrote him well in the comic books. Like, they, they release series about him, and it just, I don't know. Like, you would think that someone that dope or with that same unique story that they would be able to write him well, and they just have it. But this TV show? Oh, my God. Like, the first season, you're just like, you're like, hold on, wait a second. You're like... I got to rewatch that. So you end up, what ended up happening to me was I watched the first five episodes and I actually had to go back and watch episode one, two, and three to make sure that I didn't, that I missed something. And I did, I missed a lot of things. So the writing is just really good. Um, I really just, and, and again, it's one of those shows that's like low budget. Um, they don't use a lot of effects. So they really focus on the acting and the writing. So that's, I really, really enjoy that about Legion. Um, another one that I think people laugh at now but I think it really set a standard was CW's The Arrow. I know people are going to be like, oh, I can't believe it. And I'm not going to lie. Like, first, second season was dope. But then, like, third season, it got kind of funny. Fourth season, it got really funny. But, um, again, low budget. Um, they focus more on choreography. Um, they focus on the writing because the lead actor, he's not the best person in the world. But they focused on the cast of characters, the supporting cast. Which, when you read comic books, like, it's not just the main... It's not just the protagonist that people latch onto. It's a supporting cast. So um, just a supporting cast, everybody had their favorite, right? Felicity was everybody's favorite. But also remember that the Arrow kind of set up the CWDC expanded universe or the DCEU. If it wasn't for the Arrow, you wouldn't have shows like The Flash that everybody loves. So shout out to them. And again, the Green Arrow is not like a favorite character of mine at all. But they really did their thing and they made him a likable character. So this is part one. We're going to go into part two. Another show that I think is completely underrated and I felt like was really dope was Peggy Carter, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and it was like six episodes and I loved it. I lo- First of all, I loved the Peggy Carter character in the movie. Um, and I was so glad that she was in Endgame. But, um, man, this is like really dope. Like it, it talks about the building of S.H.I.E.L.D. It shows the sexism that she went through. 
They show you who Jarvis was initially. They had they talk more about Howard Stark. This is like such a dope series. Great writing, great acting, um, and it it only got one season. Um, and I think it was because where they put it, like I think is where they put it, um, the time slot. And then like Shield, Agents of Shield was just I don't I didn't like it. I was not feeling Agents of Shield. I'm sorry, but Peggy Carter Agents of Shield, I love that show. And I think it to me, in my opinion, and I could be wrong. With this Disney Plus thing, I think they're getting this idea from Peggy Carter, Agent of Shield, because it was only six episodes. So highly recommend it. Um, I watch. I'm. I watch it again. Like that's how good it was. Um, and that's actually like I, I believe that's the last show that I actually watched. Like I didn't watch it streaming. I watched it when it came on. I think that's the last show I did that too. So highly recommend that one. Um, another one that I never imagined would ever get put on TV um, is Preacher. And I remember the way I got introduced to it because um, the the original um, um, penciler for this, Steve Dillon, I didn't think he was all that great. So when I, when the preacher first came out, everybody was like, "Oh, it's a great, it's a great thing, it's great, it's great." I um, was like, not feeling. It. And this is Garth Ennis' book, right? Am I right? It's Garth Ennis. So so Garth Ennis is dope, but I just didn't like Matt Dillon, the late great um, Steve Dillon. Excuse me, the late great Steve Dillon who passed away a couple years ago. So I, what happened was my oldest son introduced me to him. Now, he's he's Pentecostal. He was raised by his mom. So he's like Kojic. So he was like, Dad, you should read this. And I was like, all right, cool. So I remember I went and picked it up. And I immediately called him. And I was like, bro, how did you find this? Because if your mother does your mother know that you read this? And he's like, nah, she don't know. I said, well, if she ever catches you, she's going to assume that I passed it to you. Because it was like, I'm not Christian. so But it was blasphemous. Like, really was blasphemous. So... I remember actually telling him they will never make this into a TV show or a movie. Sure enough, they did. And let me say this. It's really good. They deviate from the comic book a lot on so many levels. But I think there's ways to do it. Um, so if you're like somebody that's like all about continuity, this may not be the show for you. Um, but it's dope. I enjoy it. Acting, great writing, um, you know, great cast of characters. Because what made that story well is the, the, the characters that he, the preacher rolled with. So... Um, highly recommended. Um, I'm actually behind. I got to finish season two. So, and I had to watch that in the streaming, and it's because it's on FX. FX makes some really dope stuff. Another one that I think is uh, really good. Never thought they would make it a uh, TV series, and it's something that me and my oldest actually enjoyed as well. Um, and I, and somebody says something. I'm, I'm gonna reveal to it the boys. Like, don't get me wrong. The actual comic book is ultra, 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 ultra violent. They really tapered down the violence for the tv show but someone said that if it wasn't for um um game of thrones they would never make the boys and that kind of like because game of thrones kind of like ratcheted up the violence as did the walking dead they ratcheted up the physical gratuitous violence so now stuff like the boys can be produced because people are kind of used to it but um it's only eight episodes um and i and i can see why they toned down the violence um because they really want to focus on the idea that superheroes are the bad guys and that's what the original story was about that the superheroes are the bad guys it's a little again it deviates again um from the original storyline so if you're into continuity you might you might have an issue with it but i like what they did with it i really really i was really i was really like okay this is this is really cool and this is the sleeper one i think you know um let me just say this for the netflix series stuff uh um punisher was dope to me um i enjoyed it again Gratuitous is violent, but that's the Punisher. That's like, that's, what are you going to get? That's what the Punisher does. He kills criminals, right? So I thought the Punisher was dope. Um, and I'm not going to lie. Like, I didn't like John Berthold on The Walking Dead. 
But I liked him in The Punisher. I liked him in Daredevil, which I'm going to jump into in a little bit. Just a few more to go before I finish my top 10 TV comic book adaptations. Um, definitely was feeling, um, you know, talking about Punisher, we got to talk about Daredevil because really that three seasons, those three seasons were probably the dopest of superhero events on TV at that time. Like for real, for real. And I'm a fan of Daredevil, especially Frank Miller's Daredevil. And I feel like this Netflix film kind of like embodied that. And I don't think they would be a Punisher without Daredevil. So definitely Daredevil is up there. Um, I want to talk about Umbrella Academy. And the reason I want to talk about Umbrella Academy is because it's a dark horse um, comic book. And to be honest, the only dark horse comic book I ever read was all the Star Wars stuff they did before they were acquired by Marvel and then later Disney. I mean, by Disney and then Marvel did all the comic books. That I read all this stuff. And there, it sucks that now this is called Star Wars Legends. It's not even canon no more. But... All that stuff was dope. All the Dark Horse Star Wars stuff is just amazing. So Umbrella Academy, I didn't, never heard of it, but it's a Dark Horse comic. So it's very obscure compared to the other stuff, but it was done very well. I, I like it. Um, there's a lot of flashbacks in it. So, you know, I'm not a big fan of like having so many flashbacks in your story. Uh, you know, give me one or two, maybe three, so I can know who my characters are. But with it's consistent flashbacks, but... I enjoyed this and I really, you know, like I, I, I think I binge watched it. I try not to binge watch because I feel like a, a, a waste when I binge watch stuff, but I binge watched this one. So definitely worth it. Want to do an honorable mention before I give you my number one. Um, Krypton. And look, I do not like Superman. I do not like Superman. I don't like Superman. I know I say it a thousand times, but I did enjoy Krypton. Again, what makes these superheroes dope is not usually, and I'm a comic book reader. Um, it's the, the supporting cast is what makes the comic book dope. So like with Daredevil, you have, um, you know, his homeboy uh, that, you know, you have all these different people that are in Daredevil that make it dope. Right. So in Krypton, what happens is somebody goes back in time to um, Kal-El's grandfather and they talk about what happens on Krypton, which my question about Krypton has always been like. I don't understand why they never was like, let's take over the universe because we know that if we're on the yellow sun, we can kick ass. Um, but there is a group of people that are like, hey, we should become militaristic and take over the universe. And this, they kind of talk about that in this. And I thought that was really interesting um, to see how all that happened, how originally the, the L family fell out of favor. Um, and I like the fact that the Zod family, um, like his family, like were very prominent and military people and they showed they're black. So I think that was really dope. So it was a sleeper. I really thought it was going to be whack. Someone recommended it and I watched it and I was like, let me check it out. Anyway, to me, the best TV comic book adaptation as of right now, as of 2020, May 28, 2020 is The Watchmen. And let me just say this. I wasn't a big fan of the Alan Moore. When, when, when it first came out, I was a kid. And everybody was like, oh, you got to read Watchmen, right? So I remember picking it up and wasn't the, the artwork, the art, the artwork didn't come out to me. And I read like four or five issues and I was just like, what is the big stink, right? But I was like nine, 10 years old, so I didn't get it. And then they, they released the movie again and I watched it 
I, I read, I read the, I read the trade, and I was just like, it's alright, it's, it's good. The movie was actually pretty good. Um, I see what they were trying to do. Um, I see what Adam Moe was trying to do, but I was like, it's not all that great. The TV series, fucking amazing. And I know that Alan Moore hate, is hating on it. Um, bruh, that was good. And I'm happy with just one season. Like if they, because I know that I know the, the studios are pushing for season two. And uh, the uh, showrunner is like, I'm good. Um, I'm good with season one. It is that good. It is mwah. It is that good. Stellar performances by everyone. Um, shout out to Regina King. Uh, she, Regina Hill, Regina Bell. I always get them mixed up. She did her thing. Um, it was dope. They really is pointed, right? Like, like you, sh- you should be watching that today. Like, I can see ten years from now, I was saying, yeah, this is the the, the stuff they covered here is still relevant. Um, it is that good. Um, and man, it is fucking good. And I like all the alternative history that it has in it as well. So, highly recommend it. Uh, watch it with your kids. Um, cause you know, let me just say this: episode one, the first ten minutes, trigger warning. Let me say that again: the first ten minutes, trigger warning. Um, I know people who watched it and watched that first episode and were like, I can't do this anymore. Um, it is worth it. I, I really mean it. I really, really, really mean it. Um, and it's funny because I remember the, the first 10 minutes opened up with the Tulsa, the Tulsa Massacre, I call it. It's not the Tulsa riots because white people went into that community to kill black people. The Tulsa Massacre. Um, it, it depicts what happened in the Tulsa Massacre. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't know about it. They, we call it Black Wall Street in the hood. So a lot of people didn't know about it. So a lot of people started reading up on it. I thought that was very interesting. So definitely that's my pick. If you disagree with me, um, disagree with me. It's all love. Work. I know during the Rona, there's a lot of people, a lot of health gurus, a lot of self-help gurus, quote unquote, a lot of business gurus, quote unquote. They all are asking people to get side hustles, do this, do that. Get, even me, I be like, oh, get hobbies, like you know what I'm saying. And let me just say this, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna peel back on that, and I'm only gonna, when it comes to health, I'm only gonna answer questions that people have for me um, when I run into them, uh, because the only thing you need to do during this entire pandemic is make it. And I know it sounds like I'm making it sound like we're in a zombie apocalypse, but who knows? The second wave might come around. So, like, all you got to do is just make it, man. You just got to survive. However it is, you got to take care of your peoples. You know what I mean? Take care of your family. Take care of significant other, your loved ones. And they're supposed to take care of you, too. So, I don't ever want anybody to feel like I'm pressuring them because that's not what my intention is. You know what I'm saying? So, like, all you really got to do is make it through, man. Um, and let me just say this. I know I had JD on here before. Um, the doctor, the good doctor, JD. And we talked about how um, there's going to be... A mental health crisis after this is over so not only do we got to jump this hurdle we got another hurdle to jump after that so um just make it man like we'll be here man and you know um spread love so let's let's do that That's, i'm gonna keep the health segment short this time yeah um want to talk about a couple of podcasts that I listen to that I know I talk about them all the time, but really they would not exist if I would not exist if they weren't around. Um, I've been listening to podcasts since like the early alts, you know, probably about 2004. But it was a lot of it was like Star Wars podcasts. I listened to like at the time I was into like six or seven Star Wars podcasts back then. And then like people back then were telling me I should do a podcast. I even had a friend write. He broke. He bought me 
how to podcast for dummies book. He was like, you should really do this. And then he actually like gave me like discount coupons for equipment. And I was like, okay. And I thought about it and I planned it out and I mapped it. I outlined it. I just never got to it. Moved to Ohio, got caught up with life. Um, and people were like calling me. I remember people were calling me like, hey, uh, you should be in our podcast. You should, you should do a podcast with me. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I had about like four or five different people offer me that. This is like 2010s. Um, and then uh, I, I stopped listening to podcasts for a minute. And the reason why is I started listening to audiobooks. And I would I would go to the library because my job had me traveling a lot. So I would just get all these because back then I had to record. I had to like download the podcast and then burn it on the CD and then listen to it in the car. And there was just too many steps. So I would just get audiobooks. So I stopped listening to them. Um, I went, you know, one day I was doing research and I, I had I had Googled my name and my name ended up on Boyce Watkins website. I had I had a blog called. Um, uh, comic books for colored folks and it was on there he was like you should he was like you should read this blog and while i was going on it he it had a section for podcasts and then i opened it up and the black guy who tips podcast was like at the very top and i was just like oh shit so at first when i saw their podcast it was like two and a half hours long i was like i'm not listening to two and a half hours of this ep- of this series and then i listened to it one time and i was hooked automatically and i actually went back to listen to some old podcasts and he got me hooked and then from there, I learned about um, Combat Jack. So I started listening to Combat Jack. And then from Combat Jack, um, who, you know, rest in peace to you, sir, you're another inspiration. But then I listened to For All Nerds, and I'm a loyal follower of them. And then they introduced me to T with Queen, Queen and Jay, and I became an immediate fan. Um, and it was those three podcasts that made me say, you know what, I could do it. And I went ahead and did those podcasts. So shout out to y'all. Um, and then of course, medium popcorn is another one that I just love and inner hope uprising. Um, those five really, I listen to consistently, like, you know, um, and I love them. So a lot of people ask me, um, what do what are, what are some things you need to do before you become a podcaster? And my, the first thing I say is listen to other podcasts first, um, find your own voice, uh, because they all, these five different podcasts I listen to, they're all extremely different. I know they deal with different genres. Some of them with pop culture some of them don't but they all have different voices and they sound different and they do different things so when people ask me again i always say you know find your voice try not to be no, like no one else even though if you try to be like the black guy who tips or for all nerds or tea with queen and jay or in a hope uprising or medium popcorn you're not you're it's just you're not and if you do people gonna find out and see right through you so shout out to y'all for real for real Yo, remember that brand new me joint when he was like, um, before I catch this wreck, I'd like to take a second to dedicate this to some of my favorites, some of my favorites. It's a shout out. Here you go. I'd like to dedicate this to Misty Creates, who a lot of the stuff, a lot of the ideas that I have for this show, she kind of like gave me the, the, the seeds for it. So definitely to her, shout out to you. Also, shout out to Science with Steph, who inspired me. She was on episode 50. Um, if you go to YouTube, it'll be in there. It'll be in the show notes. Shout out to you. Um, shout out to the homie Zemo, um, Zemo Divine Power, who's actually been a guest host on here several times. We're going to bring him back. Um, and he's about to get married. So shout out to you, brother. I love you. 
Shout out to my oldest son, B-Boy Sabi, who's also been the guest host, and I got to bring him through. And really, quite honestly, man, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. You made me the man that I am today. Uh, shout out to the homie Shadow One. We're going to bring her back. She's dope as fuck. Y'all know how she gets down. And shout out to Professor Lincoln, who's also guest host, and we're going to bring him back. Uh, and definitely, um, when you look at the all 100 episodes, it's been about 70 to 80 episodes where I introduced a new beer. Um, and I actually got a lot of that stuff from the Barrel House, and that is a local bar uh, where they host Wu-Tang Wednesdays with the homie DJ Ike. Definitely, like, man, like, y'all really put me on. Y'all show me mad love. Me and my family mad love, first of all. So, shout out to the Barrel House. I love y'all. Shout out to my brother from the same mother, DJ Disdolo, um, who you can see on Bonfire Radio. I'm going to put a link to that as well. He's also a reoccurring guest host on here. So, definitely shout out to all of y'all. Uh, to my community, to my elders, to the Capoeira community, to the B-Boy community, to the hip-hop community. All of y'all really show me love. And really, where my killer tape app will not exist without y'all. And hopefully, we'll be here for another 100 episodes. Word is born. i like to dedicate this to some of my favorites, some of my favorites, some of my favorites. So there you have it, party people. Episode 100. Uh, first of all, thank y'all. Thank y'all for being with me from day one. Um, not all of the episodes are on, you know, the streaming. You have to go to YouTube. And I put the link down there. It'll have all the way to episode one. Um, and if you want to continue the discussion, you know, the hashtag is where my killer tape at. Killer spelled K-I-L-L-A. Um, if you want to book me for anything, panel discussions, workshops, Capoeira, B-Born, History of Hip Hop Culture, Black Feminism, whatever, um, you can hit me on my Gmail, and that's dantresomi, D-A-N-T-R-E-S-O-M-I at gmail.com. You just want to hit me up or ask questions, you can do it two ways, on the official Twitter account, Omi's Podcast, O-M-I-S Podcast, or at dantresomi, D-A-N-T-R-E-S-O-M-I. Where's born, man? Thank y'all, and I appreciate y'all, man. Love y'all. Be safe out there. Peace.